Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell. I am the lead pastor here, and it is great to see all of you here. Thank you for being here on this uh, Labor Day weekend Sunday, and thank you to all of you who are joining us online. We very much appreciate uh, both people in person and those who are joining us online. Uh, we are continuing our series that we've entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is, and uh, we have been looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to go back to that passage again and again and again until we hopefully grow in what love is. So if you would uh, like to turn in your own Bibles, you can do so, and if you would rather read it on the screen, you can do that as well. Again, I just want to remind us that even though Paul, the apostle, was the one who wrote these words... It's really the Holy Spirit who led him to write these words, not just to that congregation back then in Corinth, but to this congregation here today in Sumter, South Carolina. So let's listen to what the Spirit has to say to the church. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me pray for us. Lord, even as I'm reading this passage today, I'm just recognizing what kind of power uh, your word has to set us straight on what love really is. And so, Holy Spirit, would you be at work in all of us, myself included, that uh, we would hear and heed what you have to say to us about love today. And that by your power, you would work in each one of us, that we would grow in that kind of love. Not just learning about it, but putting that kind of love into practice. And Spirit, we know that we can't do it apart from you, so produce that within us. 
so that we really will bring honor to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. You know, recently I have been reading some articles that have, uh, (laughs) they haven't minced words about our current age. They describe our age as, our era, I guess, as an age of arrogance. One article said that the defining trait of our age is arrogance. And another claimed that arrogance is, quote, a pervasive mindset deeply rooted in our cultural fabric. Or to put it in uh, eastern North Carolina terms, where I grew up, we're eat up with it. Now, your arrogance meter doesn't have to be highly calibrated to see this. We see arrogance almost everywhere we look. We see arrogance on display in our polarized politics, don't we? We see arrogance in our social media and posts and in our interactions online. We see arrogance in the judgmental grandstanding and soapboxing of the religious on the one hand and the brash and belligerent manner in which the irreligious demolish and devastate the moral boundaries that were at one time in place. We see arrogance in the uptick of how many times the word narcissism is used. We see arrogance in how our already bloated sense of individualism here in America has been amplified and intensified. We see arrogance in the rise of the seemingly ever-present self-focus. We are a society that celebrates, flaunts, and even deifies the self. That's the world we live in. But it's not that different than the church in Corinth. Back in the day when Paul wrote this letter, in the city of Corinth, they were going through very similar things. Their culture, their society was full-blown arrogant. And it showed up in numerous ways. And it had affected and infected the church. And that is why Paul wrote these words under the inspiration of the Spirit to them. But again, as I just mentioned, the Holy Spirit was not only speaking to them, but speaking to us today. And what the Spirit is saying to us today, at least part of what he's saying, is that even though everyone else around us has been infected by arrogance, and let's just face it, we have too, we're called to something different. We're called to love, and love is humble. Love is humble. Now, if you're looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, you're saying, well, I don't see the word humble here, so where'd you get that? 
what you can see how the Holy Spirit has led Paul to write descriptions of what love is and what love is not. And in verses 4 and 5, last week we saw that love does not envy, and then we see this trifecta of terms, so to speak, that show us what love is not, and it is not boastful, it is not arrogant, it is not rude. And it doesn't take a lot of thinking to recognize that all three of those, boasting, arrogant, rude, it's about pride, right? Boasting is bragging about oneself. That's not humility, that's pride. Arrogance is a sense of superiority, a, a self-importance, a, an, an entitlement uh, mentality. Also not humility, that's pride. And think about this, when we are rude, somewhere deep down within us, or maybe even right there on the surface for everybody to see, is an attitude. And what does that attitude say? I'm more important than you. I'm more significant than you. You are beneath me. That's why I can treat you the way that I'm treating you. And I hope it's clear that everybody would see that's not humility. That's pride. Love is humble. Jonathan Edwards, in his words about this very passage in his book, The Marks of a Work of the True Spirit, says this about love. The surest character of true, divine, supernatural love, distinguishing it from the counterfeits that arise from a natural self-love, is that the Christian virtue of humility, that which above all others renounces, abases, and annihilates what we term self-Christian love or true charity, is a humble love. So if we really want to know what love is, we're also going to need to know what humility is, right? The unfortunate thing is we are so self-focused in our society that even the word humility and humble has taken on different meanings. Like when someone receives a award and they say, I'm humbled to receive this award. You're not humbled to receive an award right? No, humility is not receiving a reward and going, I'm very humbled by this. That's not humility. Or think about this quote. This quote has been going around for a while, and I hope I don't develop any enemies over this one, but it, there's a quote that's been passed around as a C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis did not say it, but here's the quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourselves. It is thinking of yourself less. Now, don't get me wrong. There is truth in that idea. Self-forgetfulness is a part of humility. But more needs to be said. Much, much more. Because think about it. I could think of myself less, but when I do think of myself, I can think that I'm pretty awesome. And then I'm better than everyone else. I don't think about myself much, but when I do, so what is humility? At, at its basic level, 
I mean, really lowest level. There, there are two things that are involved. And I wish I had put this in the notes, but I didn't. So if you want to write this out as, you know, extra notes, feel free. Um, first, humility involves seeing ourselves in the light of who God is. Seeing ourselves in light of who God is. The very basic notion of humility ought to start with the words, God is God and I am not. That really puts us right where we need to be. God is the creator and I am the one who was created by him. I don't create, God created me. God is all-knowing and wise beyond my comprehension and compared to him I'm ignorant. I'm foolish. God is in control of all things, and I deceive myself into thinking that I have control over certain things. God is right in everything He does, and I can't seem to go five minutes without thinking or saying or doing something that's wrong. Humility is seeing ourselves rightly in light of who God is and who we are. When we see ourselves that way, we're less likely to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Right? That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 12, 3, when he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That's humility. You're not thinking about yourself more highly than you ought. I'm not God. I'm his creature. I'm not necessarily better than anyone. I'm just who I am. I'm just Ken. For you Barbie fans. But there's more to humility than just seeing ourselves in light of who God is, right? I mean, you can have a right view of yourself in light of who God is, but still not really be humble. Because humility not only is thinking of ourselves rightly, but it's also having a willingness to lower ourselves. A willingness to lower ourselves. In Hebrew, in Greek, in Latin, the word that we translate as humility basically means low. Like in the dirt, on the ground, low. And, and Jesus gives us this sense of humility when he talks about in uh, Matthew 23, verse 12, whoever exalts himself or in other words, whoever wants to make much of himself, that person will be humbled. He will be brought low. But whoever humbles himself, whoever lowers himself, will be exalted. He will be lifted up. Right? We see something very similar in James chapter 4. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And who are the humble? It's those who humble themselves because verse 10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. He will lift you up. You lower yourself and God is the one who raises you up. You don't raise yourself up. God raises you up. That's humility. 
Humility is not just me thinking rightly about myself in light of who God is. It is a willingness and even a desire that I would lower myself. Especially lower myself for the good of another. And that's the next point that we want to get to in this passage. That if we're thinking that love is humble... How does that play out? How do we see that? Well, pride's focus is on self, right? Pride's focus is on self, but love's focus is on others. That's what this passage is showing us. When we are focused on ourselves, that's pride. But when we're focused on others, that's more likely love. We can see that very clearly in this passage in verse 4 and 5. Love does not boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Each one of these descriptions show us how self-focused pride makes us. Okay, so this past week, as I'm doing research for this sermon, and... I come across this article that I thought, I've got to find a way to put that article in this sermon because it's just so funny. The article is entitled, The Best Article Ever Written About Boasting. (laughs) And he numbers 17 modes, 17 different ways that we brag about ourselves. And you've heard these, and I'm not going to name all 17, but I do want to name a couple of them, like the one-upmanship brag. You know what I mean? You're telling a story. You know, this. I was walking up the stairs in the dark, and I missed the step, and I twisted my ankle, and now I'm in physical therapy for it. That's a story. And you say, oh, well, let me tell you what happened to me. I was walking down the hallway, and I slipped and fell down an elevator shaft and broke both my legs. That's one-upmanship, right? You, know, you can't, have some, can't, can't let someone else have a better story than you. That's not love, right? That's pride. Or the undercover brag. Or, or uh, this might also be called the humble brag. You know, that's when you say something that sounds humble, but in reality you're bragging about yourself. And then one of my favorites is the Brag FM brag. Brag FM, as in a radio brag. So you're not just talking to one person, you're talking to one person, but you're saying something so that everyone in the room can hear what you actually accomplished. That kind of brag. And he goes through all 17 of these. But it, the, the main thing that we see about this is that bragging is always about ourselves. We very rarely brag about other people, unless it's our kids, and we're bragging about them because they belong to us, and it shows back on us, right? Let's be honest, parents. That's what we do. Because they look good, I look good. Love encourages us not to brag about ourselves, not to be full of pride and talk about ourselves, but love moves us to encourage other people 
right? To build them up. Not to try to build ourselves up, but to build others up. As uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are already doing. That's love. Love builds up other people. It's not as interested in building themselves up as building up other people. The second term in here that uh, love is not is arrogance. And I love this. The word for in arrogance, the word arrogance here, this translated arrogance in Greek, is, is, has the idea of being puffed up. And, and every time I think about this, I can't help but think about that little fish that's in the ocean. And you may have known, see, there's one, um, called a puffer fish. And he just looks kind of normal until he gets into a situation. And then he like says, oh, I got to show off. So then he puffs himself up and he's like twice as big and he's like look at me I'm big I'm bad don't mess with me that's what he's doing right every one of us has a puffer fish mentality at times where we puff ourselves up and we say look at me I'm significant I'm important look at me don't mess with me because I am it That's arrogance. We can puff ourselves up with our own overinflated sense of self-importance. But rather than being arrogant, love calls us not to think too highly of ourselves, but to honor other people. Right? Paul says this in Romans 12, verse 10. Listen to these words. And every time I read these words, I keep thinking, What would it be like if the church, what would it be like if our community, what would it be like if America did this for each other? Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. To honor one another. To really honor each other. Rather than saying, look at me, or look how bad I am, I'm awesome. No, let me honor you. Let me talk about how I see good things in you. That's love. And then the third uh, part of this is being rude. And uh, forgive this illustration It's just the way my mind thinks. There's this book by um, Roger Hargreaves called Mr. Rude. And here's a, if you've never read it, here's a picture. Um, I love this. The very first page, Mr. Rude is rude. He is very rude. He is very, very rude. He is worse than very, very rude. He is extraordinarily rude. Folks, every one of us has a bent towards being Mr. Rude. Or Mrs. Rude, as the case may be. I know it when I am standing in line and there's somebody in front of me This happened this week. Standing in front of me, taking their time, talking to the cashier, and I'm like, come on. 
come on. And so I do the wait, and then I do the and then I do the <clears throat> clearing my throat thing to try to get somebody's attention, right? Rather than just going, you know what? There's an interaction going on, and they're, they're actually caring for one another in talking. Why am I so focused on what I want in this moment? That's actually being rude to those folks. And rather than being rude, love calls us to be considerate, to be caring, to think about the other person and what they may be going through, what may be happening to them. I love the passage in Philippians 2 where Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition, nothing from conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, See, it's not wrong to look out after your interests, but don't only do that, also look out for the interests of other people. Be considerate. Be caring. Take them into consideration in what's going on in your life. Pride's focus, whether it's bragging, whether it's arrogance, or whether it is... Um, a word that I'm not remembering, being rude. <laughs> Pride's focus is on the self. Love's focus is on others. Now, I have to say this because I know there's some of you who are thinking this. Some of you are thinking, wait a second, love, you're saying love is only about other people? Shouldn't we love ourselves? Doesn't, isn't loving ourselves legit? Yeah, yeah it is. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. There's actually something important about that. The problem is we are swimming in a society that tells us that loving ourselves is more important than anything else. There is big business on loving self. Go on Amazon and just write in love yourself or self-love or something like that, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of books on how to love yourself better. There are podcasts and books and videos all over the place that tell us that basically our real problem isn't that we're not loving one another well, it's that we're not loving ourselves the way we ought to. And even some Christians have jumped on the bandwagon and they've said, well, I mean, Jesus did say the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See? See, you're to love your neighbor as yourself, which what Jesus is really meaning, according to these Christians, is you've got to love yourself first or else you can't love other people. So what you need to do first, if you really want to love other people, you've got to learn to love yourself. It's the greatest love of all, after all. Right? 
that really sells in a self-centered therapeutic society such as ours. It really sells. But it's not what Jesus said. And it's not what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. Let's, let's remind ourselves that in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4, uh, Paul writes, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, etc., 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 okay? So there is a way that we love ourselves that is not good. So getting back to what Jesus said when he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, if I could paraphrase what Jesus is saying, it's this. He's basically like, hey guys, you already love yourselves. Everybody does. You look out for your, for your best interests. That's what you do. Even when you harm yourself, you're doing it because you think it will be best for you in the long run or in the short term. But you are always looking out for yourself. Try taking that same attitude that you have for yourself and look out after other people. Try to do what's best for other people and not just what's best for yourself. That's what he's meaning when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's not saying you got to love yourself first. You already do. Take that love that you have for yourself and make it go outward to other people. That's what Jesus is calling us to. That is humble love. It's the kind of love that says, I care about you. I want to encourage you. I want to listen to you. I want to help you. I want to be there for you. I want to celebrate when you celebrate. I want to mourn when you mourn. I want to pray for you. I want to serve you. I want to care for you. I want to be considerate of you. I will be patient of you. I will be kind to you. Because I'm not thinking of myself so much. I'm thinking of you and what's best for you. That is love. I don't think that the world revolves around me. It revolves around Jesus. <laughs> and he has loved me. And that's why I love you. If you're in Christ, you're my brother. You're my sister. And even for those who are not in Christ, you are created in the image of God. And you have dignity and worth. And I love you because of that. And I'm hoping that maybe one day you'll be adopted into my family too. That is humble love. And if I can say one more thing, because this is important, guys. This, this is really important. Throughout history, Christians have shown humble love to people that the world considers unworthy of that love. The weak, the poor, the stranger, the immigrant. 
the elderly, the unborn, the sick, the disabled, the unattractive, the weird, and the oddballs, the outcasts, the unwanted. Christ's love calls us to not love just pretty people who have it all together, but to people who don't have it all together. Because we don't have it all together, and Christ loved us. That's a big calling, isn't it? So how do we do this? How do we grow in this love? Well, here's the good news. We can grow in humble, selfless love because of the love of Christ, the love that Christ has shown to us. We are enabled to grow in that kind of love, this humble love, because of the love that Jesus has shown to us. I want you to think about the ways that Jesus humbled himself to love us well. Now, this is going to take some time, but I want you to think with me. First of all, think about what heaven is like. Think about it just for a minute. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. No pain. No death. No threat of hurricanes. No mass shootings. No outbreaks of disease. There's only love and goodness and joy that abounds and abounds and abounds. In humble love, the Son of God who was in the midst of all of that left it to come to this place with all of our mess. That's love. That's a humbling love. That is a love that is willing to lower itself for the good of the other. And you know, he could have come in all of his glory. He could have just shown up and like, here I am, look at me, like the puffer fish. But instead, in humble love, he put on flesh. He became like us in every way, except that he didn't sin. That's humble love. And you know, I've thought about this too. He could have come as a full-grown human being, just right out of the sky. Here I am, everybody. I'm here to save you all from your sin. But instead, in humble love, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. And for nine months, as a human being, he depended upon her for life. Do you see the lowering of himself, the humble love that Jesus shows to us. And after he was born, in humble love, he continued to depend upon his parents for years. And you know, I've also thought about this. He could have raised up a band of disciples around him from the highest ranks of society. But instead, in humble love, Jesus said, oh, you're a fisherman? I'd love for you to be a part of my crew. Oh, you're a tax collector and everybody hates you? I want you to be a part of my crew. Oh, you're a political zealot and people hate you too? 
come be a part of my crew. He chose men that he knew, as his disciples, he chose men who he knew would doubt him, who would deny him, and even betray him. But in humble love, he did that for us. In humble love, he allowed himself to be betrayed by one of his disciples with a kiss. And he was arrested by those who hated him, and he, under, he underwent a kangaroo court where everything was stacked against him. And in humble love, he did not mount the defense. I, I have to admit, if I was in Jesus' place, I would be like, hey, 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 whoa, 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 these charges against me are bogus, man. But that's not what he did. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he remained quiet before his accusers answering only basic answers to questions. This is the love, the humble love that our Jesus has shown us. In humble love, he was willing to be tortured, to be beaten, to be bruised, to be whipped, to be mocked, to be jeered, to be pierced. And in humble love, he was stripped naked and he hung on a cross where he felt not only the weight of his own body as he had to lift himself up in just able to be able to breathe, but he experienced the weight of sin, our sin, even though he had never committed one single solitary sin himself. That's humble love. And in humble love, he was willing to die and to be placed in a tomb and to wait to be raised from the dead on Sunday morning. Do you see the kind of love Jesus has for us? A love that isn't just thinking less of itself. No, this is a love that's willing to lower itself for our good. That is the love of God for us in Christ. And it is glorious. It is beautiful beyond comprehension. It is the kind of thing that gets you up in the morning when you really don't want to get out of bed, but you think, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and let me count the ways he's loved me. He's loved me like this, and this, and this, and then you can't get to the end of it. You run out of fingers and toes, counting the way God has loved you in Christ. And because Jesus has loved us, we're able to love others. Not out of our own power, but out of the power he gives us. The power that raised him from the dead is the power that can raise our dead hearts to be loving, alive hearts. So your action points. What do I do with this? Okay, that's great, Stuart, but what do I do with this? I've got two action points for you today. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit for humble love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So if I'm going to have love in my life, I cannot pull myself up by my love bootstraps. And I definitely can't pull myself up by my humble bootstraps because those don't exist. 
I've got to ask. I've got to say, I'm an empty vessel. I need to be filled. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me your fruit. Give me humble love. Because I can't do this on my own. And then second, after you prayed, you got to be willing to lower yourself. That's where the test of humility comes, right? Humble yourself to demonstrate love for others. Maybe you're in a conversation with someone and they're telling a great story and you want to one-up it. How about just saying, wow, that's really great that that happened to you or that's really awful that that happened to you. Tell me more. That's humble love, right? You're not trying to insert yourself. You're saying, tell me more about you. Maybe you're in an argument with someone and you know they're right, but you don't want to admit it. We've all been there. Maybe you say, you know what, give me a minute. I was wrong. You're right. Ooh, those are powerful words, let me just tell you. I can count on one hand the number of times that that has been said to me. I wish I could say that I could count on everybody's hands in here the number of times I have said that to someone else. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Humble love would say, I'm wrong when I'm wrong. You're right when you're right. <clears throat> Maybe you're looking at someone across the aisle and you're thinking, that person doesn't belong here. They don't belong with us. I mean, we're this kind of person. They're, you know, that kind of person. How about dealing with that attitude and saying, no, if God brought them here, they belong. Let me welcome them. Let me love them. Let me care for them. Yeah, they're different than I am. Yeah, they look weird, whatever it is. But I want to love them. Humbly. Accepting them in. That's the way we can lower ourselves rather than try to exalt ourselves. So by the power of the Spirit, church, let's grow in humble love. And let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Holy Spirit, we ask for the fruit of humble love in my heart and in the hearts of all who are here. We ask that you would help us to lower ourselves for the good of other people, that we would not try to exalt ourselves, but that we would lower ourselves, that you would lift us up. Forgive us for our pride, forgive us for our boasting, forgive us for our arrogance, forgive us for the times we've been rude. Teach us humble love. Produce humble love in us and cause us to show that by lowering ourselves for the good of others. In Jesus' name.
Amen.